This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 16th, 2014. Joy in believing. <laughs> mm. Belief and perseverance, that's what led to Biscuit's success. That's our focus this morning as we continue our series from the book of Philippians today, Joy in Believing. Good morning, Connection Church. It is great to be with you this morning. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the excitement um, that's around us with shoeboxes and baptisms and new logos and, and new people who are here. God, thank you so much. And now settle us in that we might hear your word that you intend for each one of us in a very special and personal way and that we might be changed and transformed by your love i pray this in the name of the father son and holy spirit and everybody gathered said amen so let's jump right in we're going to be taking a look at uh, the last few weeks it's been the book of philippians the first week we did joy and suffering, that was chapter one. Last week was joy and serving, that was chapter two. Today we're going to take a look at chapter three of Philippians, if you have it in your Bible or on your smartphone, or we've got it on the screen as well. So let's, uh, let's take off. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. So what does this all mean? Paul, the author of Philippians, he begins by saying to us what? Rejoice. Say rejoice. Rejoice. See, that's what Philippians is all about. It's a book about joy that runs through the entire letter. Joy. Say joy. Great. It helps me so I don't feel alone up here. Joy. There is joy in believing. There is joy in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul who wrote this goes on to say, you see how he says, Fine, uh, to write the same things to you is not troublesome to me. See, he's reminding them. He's repeating what he's already said because he believes that it is so important to send this message. And then he does a kind of severe shifting of gears here as he says, beware of the dogs, the evil workers, those who mutilate the flesh. Yikes. Seems kind of harsh, doesn't it? What's he talking about? Well, the Life Application Bible says that Paul's very likely referring here to some people known as the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were Jewish Christians who believed that it was necessary for the Gentiles or the non-Jews who were converting to Christianity that they must first follow the Old Testament Jewish rules, regulations, and rituals. One such ritual was circumcision, which, which God had told Moses would be the sign 
that would separate the Jews from the other groups around them. I'm not sure how they checked that sign, but that's just what it was, okay? Just saying. And here, the Judaizers thought that the, these very firm Jewish believers thought that the Gentiles, non-Jews, should be circumcised first in order to convert, in order to receive their salvation. And so Paul basically is saying here, if all you're doing is this outward sign, if it's just about the sign, then you're missing the point. And the result is just a mutilation of the flesh. He says, we are the circumcision. We are the witness to God and Jesus Christ. We are the outward and visible sign, how we live our lives, not that we have a surgical procedure to the flesh. It's the circumcision of the heart, so to speak, the change and transformation inside that we, that we freely receive from a relationship with Jesus that is important, not what happens to the flesh or the outside. So that is our hope here at Connection Community Church, not requiring uh, you to know the history of Christianity or the history of the United Methodist Church, although it's very exciting and very engaging, and there, it is important. But what is more important is the relationship with Jesus Christ, that transformation that happens on the inside, the transformation of the heart, of the soul. You know, to become a welcoming place, that's what we're all about, so that people who don't know Jesus would feel a warmth, inside that you would be a witness to the joy and to be a place for those of us who are traveling along with Jesus to grow evermore. Here's the thing to remember. We aren't the change agents. Jesus is the change agent. Jesus is the one who causes the change, but we can be the catalyst. We can help with that. We can create an environment here and our witness out there to be change and transformation ready or friendly. And so Paul goes on and says, even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a, right, uh, uh, a righteous under the law, blameless. So what is Paul talking about here? Paul shares with the Philippian church, the church located in Philippi, that if anyone has reasons to be confident in the flesh, this outward aspect of religion, it would be Paul himself. See, he did everything right. He was, um, as a Jew, he was circumcised um, on schedule. See, there were rules and regulations on schedule the eighth day. He was born to the Israelite tribe of Benjamin, which was a greatly esteemed group uh, by the Jews. In addition, Paul points out here that he was a Pharisee, meaning he was part of the, this group of people who upheld the laws and the customs. 
And at one time, Paul even became a persecutor of the Christian church. He killed people who were Christian, people who followed Jesus. And he said, you know, righteousness under the law. He was carrying out the law, blameless. He's not bragging here. Sounds like it, but he's really not. He's making a point. If one were measuring the worthiness of people by these outward signs, Paul would be the champion. But then he says, none of this counts. None of those things that he just shared count. Nothing really counts other than knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. He reminds the people that he's writing to, the Philippians, once again, how he suffered for Jesus, losing virtually everything, but that that doesn't matter. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the what? The law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And so it's not following the rules and regs that brings us salvation, but a faith in Jesus Christ, pure and simple. Our righteousness comes not from what we do, but from God, based on faith. That's not to say that we can just do whatever we want, that we don't have to be concerned with what's right and what's wrong, that we don't have to be concerned with commandments, not saying that, not saying that what God has shared that we should or shouldn't do isn't important, it is important, and that we should still be concerned with basic decency and goodness. But what he's saying is, what is right is not what saves us, doing what's right. Jesus and Jesus alone is our salvation. Amen. And as our faith grows, so does our desire to serve Christ in all we do. To live God-fearing, law-abiding lives is our response to God's saving grace. It's our, it's our thank you, so to speak, to Jesus for the unconditional love that he has shared with us through his sacrifice on the cross. What Jesus has done is God's gift to us. And what we do is our thank you back. Can we say that together? What Jesus has done is God's gift to us. What we do is our thank you back. Well, continuing on with, with the scripture, Paul continues by saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, say the rest with me, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ mm. Jesus. 
And so what Paul is saying, what we're saying is, I am saved not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done. That being said, Paul tells us to press ever onward toward the goal, not looking behind at what is past, but straining forward for what is ahead. See, in the past, Paul has done some things that he needs to let go of. He had held the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death because he was a believer in Jesus Christ. Later, Paul was on the road to Damascus to persecute followers of Jesus, known as the Way, when he was struck down in the road, blinded, and Jesus' voice came to him saying, Paul, why are you persecuting me? From then on, Paul was a follower, but he could only follow as if he was able to leave all that behind and to look forward to what was ahead. Well, we've left some stuff behind as we've pressed on toward the goal, and we know that, that you have too. We both left behind careers that we really thought would be full-time, clear till retirement. I'm a very, 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 very part-time nurse now. Very. Very. At this point, <laughs> and Alan completely left his previous career um, when he was called to ministry. We left behind these attractive salaries and incentives. And then some years later, we left behind a home that was custom-built and 24 years' worth of relationships. It was especially tough on our two oldest kids, Aaron and Megan, because they were in college at this time. So, in effect, their, their home was gone. And when they came back to a new home, it didn't feel like a new home to them at first. So we left them, we felt a little guilt about this, left them homeless, so to speak, at least initially. Hmm. And so the question for you today is, what do you need to leave behind in order to press ever onward toward the goal of what is ahead? What is it that you must release in order to have hands that are empty and open to receive what Jesus has for you? Uh, maybe the question is, who is it that you must forgive in order to receive the forgiveness that Jesus has for you? That forgiveness might even be yourself. What do you need to leave behind in order to press toward that goal? And what is the goal? What is the goal that you press on toward? Well, we share that common goal to be connected to Jesus and the life he offers, to have a relationship with the one who calls us to take one step after another, just get a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And that journey never ends. From the moment that we say, yes, you're the leader of my life, to the point where we say, okay, I'm, I will follow you. I mean, that's what we're talking about going one step at a time to be connected to the one who gave us life and who shows us love. Mm. It's interesting how this journey takes place. Um, 
and how we get closer to Christ and, and Christ kind of helps us get closer to the one God had in mind when God first thought of us. It's, um, there's an analogy we've shared before, but I think it's a good analogy. See, we're kind of like a painting that, that over the years has lost its luster because stuff has built up on the painting, dirt, grime, grease, you know, and it's hard to realize the full color, the full glory of what the artist originally had on the canvas. And so you take the painting to a master restorer, someone who's trained, someone who has the gifts, talents, and tools to bring that painting back to the original state, and they, they do it by stripping away all the junk that's accumulated over the years, all the stuff that's built up, hiding what was really there. And see, that happens in the hands of a master. It takes a master to do that. And, 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 and through that, the painting is restored. Well, see, the same thing happens to us in the hands of a master. Uh, yeah. In the hands of, uh, of the master, we're restored to that perfected state that God had in mind when God first thought of us. And so that is what we strive for as we get ever closer. Not because that's what saves us. Jesus saved us on the cross. But we strive for that um, to get ever closer to Jesus as he removes those layers of junk that have accumulated in our lives over the years, removes those layers of sin that have tainted the glorious original version of us, removes those layers of stealing and lying and lusting and cheating and self-medicating and self-centered choices and harmful actions against others and against God and whatever else it is that's keeping us from all that God has in store for us. And this may seem like a really big job. It might seem overwhelming, really too big. But here's the good news. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing. One of the uh, bedrock beliefs we have here is with God, all things are possible. And that means to be able to experience that forgiveness and that newness and to be able to start again. If we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, though, that's what we've got to do. We've got to open our hearts, expose ourselves to God. Opening ourselves up to that life-altering possibility that God offers us if we let it go, let it go. I'm in a singing mood today. We've got to. We've got to let go of the past, of the old tapes, and hear the, the stuff that God wants to speak into our lives and into our hearts. That's the prize that Paul speaks of when he says, say it with me, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in mm. Christ Jesus. Mm. And then Paul goes on to say that as we get ever closer to Christ, God will reveal to us those places in our lives that need attention. Those places where our, our individual thinking comes between us. Those places where we're not listening to what God is saying. Don't backslide, Paul says, but hang on to what you've learned, where, you've gotten in your, where, where you have already gotten in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And he says, consider following my example as I have sacrificed greatly, I have suffered greatly, I have served greatly, as I have tried to, to follow where Jesus has led me. So Paul says, don't follow the example of those who are enemies of the cross. There are people that we come in contact with who are enemies of the cross. Isn't that right? Absolutely. We need to watch out because they're all around us. But how do we respond? In love, as a witness, pressing on toward the prize, pressing on. We can't allow our own personal desires, our own personal appetites to rule us, to direct us, to guide us. Don't focus on the earthly things that can easily destroy and distract you. That happens. It's happened to me. Focusing on certain things that destroy and distract. But instead, Paul challenges us to focus on heavenly things, on Christ-centered things. Allow Jesus to bring the transformation to you and to your desires so that the focus of your attention is on him. And so in my case, that meant to stop focusing on how much money I could make, on, on how many sales I could make, on, on how I was ranking compared to the other salesmen around me, to stop focusing on worldly things like cars and houses and stuff like that, and to open, to be more open to the changes that Jesus would make in me, open to where he would lead me, open to, uh, to living within the parameters that he set for me, open to the people that he put around me, open to the ministry opportunities that he gave me, open to whatever Jesus had in store for me. Thus, our joy is in believing. Our joy is in believing. Believing that Jesus is the one and only Son of the living God who died on the cross, was buried, and then rose again. Where do I get joy in believing? I believe in God the Father, creator of the earth. I believe that God created you. I believe that God created me. And with that, believing that is joy. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he came to life and walked the earth, and he was divine yet human. I don't get it, but I believe it. I believe because of a relationship with Jesus Christ that there can be forgiveness. I was able to forgive a, a person in my life who really wounded me and my family, and now our relationship is full and wonderful. But it's only through Christ that that can happen. I could not do that on my own. I believe that I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, all my sinfulness, all my mess. Jesus sees me differently than I see me. I believe, and that brings me joy. I believe in the Holy Spirit, that still small voice in my heart that directs me and leads me and says, uh-oh, Carrie, don't go there. Watch out, Carrie, or convicts me and clips my wings. I believe, and that brings me joy. I believe in the church, God's people, that the church is what God designed. Jesus Christ designed us. We're not supposed to be all alone and do this believing thing all by ourselves. Jesus calls us to be together 
in the church, Connection Community Church. And church, I wanna tell you, you have loved me more this week. Thank you, thank you. It's been a rough week. Yesterday was the anniversary of my mom's death. I cried buckets this week, and you ministered to me. I believe in the church, you. Thank you for the flowers, thank you for the texts, thank you for the phone calls. I believe in the church, and that brings me joy. So the question is, church, do you believe? Do you believe in the one true God, in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, in the church, in community? Because that's what we're called to. And God has the power to come right into your life, wherever you are on that journey, and transform and change us. And transform and change you. So we learn from Paul that there is joy in believing. Because not believing is dark. Not believing is like death. But believing is life, true life. There is joy in believing. That's the good news. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for your word, for Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul's letter to us here today. Thank you for your son Jesus who lived and died and rose again so that we have hope, hope. Thank you, God, that in, in my own grief and loss that I could hold my new baby granddaughter yesterday. And that just, that's only you, Lord. You create one miracle after another for us. Thank you for this place called Connection, for the life inside, for the lives that have been changed. Lord, help us have even more joy in believing. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everybody gathered said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.